Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. And I'm your host, Michael Snyder. Back again. Back at it. Well, halfway through September, when did that happen? (laughs) Uh, Generations have been born and died. Everything has turned to dust and trees once again. I don't know. There's a lot happening. So, like, is nature healing, or are we just, like, ruining faster before it can heal? Like, where does humanity stand in the precipice of time as a civilization sort of stands and falters in the face of every... This is getting way too That got really deep really quick. I feel like this yeah. is a spinoff episode. It might be. It might be. I think the general rule is that humanity is doing its best to destroy itself and everything around it gotcha and nature is laughing on the sidelines all right so that concludes this episode of this week in philosophy (laughs) and meditation we will now go back to a regularly scheduled (laughs) programming of this weekend news and as such since i'm back in the co-host seat that means that we have some mad libs of news headlines to catch up on Love, love running a game show now as part of the podcasting <laughs> process. So we have stuff from the past two weeks since I was off in the supposed mountain time last weekend and Keith and Victoria were, were having a ball with their content. But now I have some fun headlines that Victoria is going to guess. Is it true? Is it false? What's wrong with the sentence? Who knows? You ready, friend? Yes, I'm ready. All right, we have we have five true or false uh, statements. So this is just true or false. So it just is this real? Okay. Is this fake? So. Okay. A Massachusetts satanic temple is combating the Texas abortion law, citing religious freedom. Uh, I'm going to go with fact. Uh, I could also have a spinoff on like just what Satanism really is, but all of the Satanists I know are very progressive, also clean up, like, highways on their weekends, and are generally, like, feminist, and so I'm gonna say this is fact. That is correct. The Boston Herald reported on this story earlier this week, and you are 100% correct. Yes. All right. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. All right. Moving on to the, the next one, which is also a little satanic in nature, um, a bishop resigned after falling in love with the offer of a satanic-themed erotica novel, but not before the Pope told him to get an exorcism. Okay. I'm gonna go with fiction on this. Multiple reasons. One of which is just... Well, all of which I guess are informed by the fact that I grew up very Catholic. One, I feel like bishops fall in love with a lot of people they're not supposed to, and the Pope doesn't do much about it. Also, there is an extremely lengthy and difficult process to get an actual exorcism that is approved by the Holy See. And this, I don't think, is it. There, there are a lot of boxes that have to be checked. I'm going to go with fiction. This is, this is an actual headline. What? This no, is an actual I was thing. so confident. 
This is an actual thing that happened, uh, not this week, but last week. So the Telegraph reported on, on September 7th that the priest basically feared that this, this bishop was possessed because he had fallen in love with yeah. someone who was writing satanic-themed erotica. And it's it's incredible. And also, we live in a weird, weird, fundamentally weird timeline. Um, wow. That's, I mean... I I have no I have no comments. That's a lot. <laughs> it is it is so much information to have to process. So point three: the original vehicles from Mad Max 1979 are being auctioned off. Sure, why not? That seems like a thing that should happen at some point. Unfortunately, I I sort of buried the lead on this one. It's actually the Mad Max Fury Road uh, vehicles that are being oh. auctioned off right now. Gotcha. Uh, the the 1979 vehicles, those would be, what, 40 year old right now? Give or take? I can't do math. It's fine. 50? Um, 50? No, 40. Um, You're right. I can't do math either. Math is so hard. It's just so 50-ish. Hard. No, 40-ish. You were right. It's 40-ish. That's what I thought. In any case, uh, yeah, you can apparently just buy the, the Fury Road cars if you really want to get groceries in, like, a war rig. That... I just, in our current political environment, I feel like no American should be allowed at that auction. Just that's, none. That's probably the correct decision to be made. So, <laughs> all right, number four, Megan the Stallion has teamed up with Hidden Valley Ranch and Crocs as their motto for their Hidden Valley Ranch Crocs. <laughs> they just <laughs> green. Croc are like white crocs with little green specks in them i don't understand so so i can i can describe these these crocs for you so they are white crocs so the crocs some... are real it's yes. just whether or not megan the stallion is the model I- exactly yes why do they exist i could not i could not tell you but uh they're they're, they're like ranch covered crocs with like some black speckling and then there is little like uh what is this? There's a taco, there's some carrots, there's some fries, there's a little ranch bottle. Uh, of the, like, the, like, charms that you pop into the yeah, holes? Yeah, nine <laughs> uh, Jorbitz charms are included with the Hidden Valley Ranch Crocs uh, collaboration. Oh my god. Sure. Yeah. I, I... Yes, Megan the Stallion is teaming up with them, and there's gonna be like this slamming jingle, and then parents around the globe are gonna be confused because they're gonna be like, "Ooh, Megan the Stallion maybe isn't appropriate for my children," but also they're eating more vegetables. So unfortunately, Megan the Stallion is not backing these things that definitely exist. Um, it's a different rapper, a uh, Sweetie. Oh. I mean, also, that actually surprises me less. <laughs> that surprises me less. Right? Right? That one just makes yeah. a little bit more internally consistency. I just... Why do these exist? I don't know, but don't... I'll I'll post the, the picture for you so you can gawk at these wonderful, wonderful... And by wonderful, I mean awful, awful shoes. You know how we talk about the, like, being in the worst timeline and, like, the bizarro world effect? I feel like this is the rift 
opening between the real world and Fortnite. Like, this is a Fortnite skin in the real world. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> Our last, last bit of, of Mad Libs of News headlines. Lacoste, the French-based fashion company with an alligator logo, is teaming up with Animal Crossing for a new shoe line. Okay, I've been doing so bad at all of these. I've these only gotten one. Week. I really want this one to be true. I think because, like, in in my experience, Lacoste has been very much like fancy people yacht clothing, right? Like, this is what you wear with your boat shoes when you're going to the Hamptons. Um, and I feel like it is our generation now who is, like, in those spaces and wearing those clothes, and therefore the Animal Crossing, like, crossover makes a lot of sense and would look hilarious. So I really want this to be true. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. I'm sorry to tell no! you that it's actually Puma that's teaming up with Animal Crossing. I feel like that is going to be a better matchup (laughs) and cooler and result in clothes that I both would want to buy and might actually have enough money for. Mm -hmm. Sorry to to give some baits and switches. This this was horror this week. I'll make sure to to really put Key Through the Ringer next week as I I'm just not doing good this week. You know? I mean, I learned a lot, and that's that's the moral of the show, right? Is to learn things, so... That is accurate. So, can you teach me some stuff now, Victoria? I can try, for (laughs) sure. So, I wanted to talk this week a little bit about representation. Uh, So, I have two items to submit to you today. Uh, Both are upcoming TV shows, maybe, and... One is Grendel, and the other is She-Ra. So last week, Keith asked me about my wish list for TV shows that could possibly get movies, because we've had a couple of those come out. And on the top of my list was She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, which is the latest kind of iteration of She-Ra. And there are many reasons of that, representation being chief among them, right? We have a lot of queer characters, we have a lot of really, like, wholesome, genuine friendships going on, um, and exploring what friendship and toxic relationships means, what kind of, like, gaslighting and gatekeeping mean. Like, it's just a really, really well-written show, uh, and presents at least what I feel to be a very positive role models for all sorts of people, regardless of identities. Uh, I was slightly annoyed then this week when there was not a She-Ra in the Princesses of Power movie announced, but rather a (laughs) non-attached She-Ra live adaptation which is a thing that I don't think anyone was like, no, we, we need this. Um, I I don't... Like, not everything needs to be live action. We've had this conversation before about how sometimes an animated medium makes more sense for things. Um, and this adaptation would be coming from Amazon, so it's not connected in any way. And I just... I'm really worried that we're gonna get 
a Powerpuff Girls situation, <laughs> um, which actually might be the best thing in that I don't think Powerpuff Girls is ever going to actually come out. <laughs> But yeah, I'm I'm mildly worried about this, um, about the representation, about what story they're going to tell, and if that is going to kind of undermine the great progress that has been made with She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. So I don't know, I'm just, I'm a little bit iffy on that one. My other show, Grendel, that was announced this week, I am iffy on as well, but for different reasons. So, Grendel is actually the latest comic book adaptation to come out of the Dark Horse deal with Netflix. So, you know, the Umbrella Academy, the Samurai Robot uh, animated series that I'm still very excited for and can't wait to come out. Uh, The extra cool thing about this one is the casting of the lead role. So, Abu Bakr Ali will be playing Hunter Rose, a.k.a. Grendel, and this is the first time that an Arab Muslim will lead a comic book adaptation. All of that is really cool. I have never read Grendel. Uh, I'm pretty, I, I like Dark Horse, so I'm excited about it. I don't understand the, like, cross between Venom and Tuxedo Mask as his outfit. But, you know, fashion aside, uh, I think the story of this fencer, writer, assassin who wants to be a vigilante but ends up becoming an anti-hero is a decent thing. It's it's something that I'm excited to go to my local comic book store and pick up. Um, my iffy thing with this is that, you know, we talk a lot about how Folks from historically underrepresented communities sometimes get typecast. And my worry about this is how a Muslim character in an anti-hero position, like that, that's a very fine line, right, between a lot of stereotypes. I think it could go really well, and I think it could, you know, really examine and wrestle with a lot of bad things in our society, but I think it could get stereotypy really quickly. So I'm interested to see what they are going to do. I think they did representation really well in the Umbrella Academy, so I'm I'm more hopeful about this than I am about the Shira live adaptation. But those are the things that I submit to you today, Mikkel. Excellent, excellent. So I shall now respond to these things that you have submitted. <laughs> By first asking, how does the rights of some of these properties get divided at Amazon? Right? Get a live action She-Ra that has no relationship to the Netflix She-Ra that just came out. I think it's that there is someone somewhere who still holds all of the IP for She-Ra. And then they can say, okay, well, you get to do this version but I still hold the general IP, and so someone else can do something completely different somewhere else. I think that's what's going on. That tracks, but in that case, I would like to posit that you get control of the She-Ra podcast adventure, um, <laughs> and you can cast that however you like, and I think it would be okay. wonderful. 
Because if we're doing it by, like, Netflix gets the anime and Amazon gets the live action, why not give the podcast to someone else? Yeah. I love the, the Netflix series so much. It did a lot of a lot of good things and a lot of great things from both, like, a storytelling perspective and, like, a, a uh, diversity representation perspective that I, I really enjoyed. And... I don't know how to feel about Amazon Prime making a live-action version. Because my first thought was not the Powerpuff Girls, but uh, Winx from Netflix. You know, oh, the, the Riverdale yeah. version of, of Winx. Yeah, uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, the less we, we think about that one, probably the better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, it's on Amazon Prime, so even if it comes out, no one will be able to find it, right? That, that there's a there's a decent likelihood of that being accurate. You are <laughs> factual and correct. So, uh, as far as Grendel goes, I, I sympathize with a lot of the points that you made. I also have not read the comic, so all of my information came from the little synopsis that Netflix geeked did. He really does look like a cross between Tuxedo Mask and Venom, though. Right? It's just it's an it's an interesting decision. But it sounds interesting, and Netflix has generally been good about how they've positioned the characters and the stories, and also about backing their actors throughout the various projects. So I'm I'm excited, and yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think the Dark Horse collaborations have, have been great, and Umbrella Academy is like one of my most look forward to shows coming out sometime in the nebulous future so <laughs> i think this is exciting i think this is a good call and i'm i'm generally here for for these discussions so thank you all right well with that let's take a short break and come back with it looks like streaming wars today i'm excited And we're back with coverage on the most ongoing segment that we've had in the history of this podcast, but only kind of this week, as we enter the latest installment of the Streaming World Saga, which we've been, we've been covering this for ages, but it's still relevant, so we still talk about it. And in the midst of various filmmakers getting outraged that their films are being released on streaming services, in the midst of various filmmakers stating that movies produced directly by these streaming services are not of a high quality, and in the midst of theaters still inexplicably open and still managing to draw very, very large crowds, uh, for the right movie, that is, we once again turn our sights on the repercussions of the streaming wars. Deadline reported earlier this week that Christopher Nolan would be taking his talents in his latest movie about J. Robert Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb to Universal, ending Nolan's exclusive tenure with Warner Brothers, where he did a whole bunch of movies, The Dark Knight Trilogy, Inception, Tenet, all of those. And this is seemingly a byproduct of HBO Max with their uh, platform position to like have movies released the same day in theaters and on the streaming service, which Nolan was very vocal about not liking the decision when it was first announced. And this seems to be a direct byproduct of him saying sort of like, by Warner Brothers, if you're not going to listen to me about how I want my movies to be showcased to the world, then I'm not going to make my movies with you. 
And yeah, he's not happy about that. Adela's Villeneuve isn't too happy about that with the current situation unfolding with Dune, which every single critic has said that you need to see Dune on the biggest theater possible. And everyone's just sort of like, but what if we don't want to go to the theaters? And everyone's just sort of like, I don't know. In any case, the HBO Max decision to do this same-day streaming and theater uh, service was at the peak of the pandemic, and we're still actively under the effects of all of these things. And there is something to be said about movies being designed to be played in huge theaters with the big screen and the surround sound, but there is a long-standing question of whether a movie must be seen in theaters for it to be enjoyable. And... While I love watching Pacific Rim and IMAX, I also elicit much joy from watching it on my significantly smaller screen. And then conversely, you have like Avatar, which looked incredible way back in the day, but then I have no, no motivation to ever watch that movie ever again for a wide variety of reasons. And with Matrix Resurrections premiering later this year, I'm not sure I'm going to be seeing it in theaters. But I definitely want to watch it, and it's going to be on HBO Max that's going to be right there as I sit on my comfy couch at home with my cats. So it just remains continually fascinating how streaming services and their presence have been having a variety of business uh, impact on various companies and various filmmakers, and I'm curious to see the, the constant repercussions of how all of these different factors confluence together. So I just wanted to, to keep an eye on the streaming wars as they continue to, to persist. Yeah, as we must, as we must. So I feel a couple of different ways about this. Uh, of course, we could not get through a podcast without Victoria saying something about capitalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do feel like part of this is kind of like a rich folks problem, right? <laughs> in that mm-hmm. I hadn't seen a movie in theaters for years before the pandemic because it's really expensive. Like, there the the idea of like we'll just wait until it comes out is a thing that has been around for decades and not because of like the world being on fire but just because going to the theater is not an option for a lot of people i i sympathize with filmmakers as artists in that there are things that you like you actively shoot movies differently based on where it is going to be displayed right like the the ratios and things are different uh do i think that sometimes filmmakers especially forget their audience Absolutely. So in, I think sometimes in trying to make, quote unquote, the best film possible, they are focusing so much on the artistry that they forget about like, well, it can't be the best film possible if it's not accessible to people and no one is watching this film. Then it doesn't matter how pretty and beautiful it is when you see it in IMAX, for example. Um So I I do think that there is a little bit of slack needed on both sides. Also, we could just, you know, 
be better as a society, and then maybe people would be able to go to theaters and both be safe and be able to pay for it and get <laughs> dinner afterwards. The dream. <laughs> the dream. I think that's all I've got. I'm I'm still not sure about the idea of an Oppenheimer movie in general. It is not the choice that I would have made in the middle of an ongoing pandemic. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, do I think that it will be a good movie? Yeah, probably. Just maybe not in context. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an interesting decision to discuss making, you know, a world-ending weapon at any time in history nowadays. Um, but yeah. Nolan is going to do what Nolan is going to do. Fair. So let's wrap this episode up with our padded and lightning round where we discuss some headlines that we don't want to talk about in full just yet, but we still want to make sure you're in the know about. So, starting off, probably the most exciting announcement of the week, Will Evans and Omar Holman, the founders of Black Nerd Problems, the reason that me and Victoria are here today, dropped their book, appropriately titled Black Nerd Problems, this week. This wonderful collection of essays are their best hits and new content and is available at a bookstore near you and we'll be talking about the book with them in a future episode so stay tuned for that exciting, exciting interview. And now we shall carry on. For some reason, Warner Brothers is trying to remake Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard and for more predictable reasons, the internet has decided it will only back this project if Chris Evans and Lizzo star in said movie. H24 released a new trailer for the Thanksgiving seasonal movie The Humans, based on an award-winning play about a white family's Thanksgiving, but there's also Steven Yoon with glasses, so I'm, I'm at least intrigued by it. Dan Levy of Schitt's Creek is the latest of creatives to snag a deal with Netflix for movies and TV content. And then finally... Hulu released their first look for the last of their oddball Marvel properties with Hitmonkey, starring Ted Lasso darling Jason Sudeikis. Hitmonkey is about a monkey assassin in Japan. That's all. That's all I got. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these topics or anything else in nerd news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was this week in nerd news. Tune in next week for more pop culture. I'm your host, Michael Snyder. And I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. We'll catch you next week, folks. Bye.